Welcome to Storytime with Managers, a podcast micro-series by Cohere. Hi, I'm Jennifer Tu, and I'm here with Emily Nakashima to talk about feedback. Emily, could you introduce yourself, please? Hi. Uh, yep, my name's Emily. Uh, I manage the engineering and design teams at a, a small developer tool startup called Honeycomb.io. Um, before Honeycomb, I worked at a string of developer tools companies, and uh, you know, back as an engineering IC, I tended to focus on front-end development and performance optimization. Cool. So speaking of Honeycomb, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk with you today is your manager, Charity Majors, the founder of Honeycomb, co-founder? Founder? Uh, co-founder, yeah. Co-founder of Honeycomb mentioned on Twitter recently that you are one of the best people she's ever met in terms of accepting feedback. So I feel like there's a lot of advice out there about how to give better feedback, but a little bit less around accepting feedback. And I'm wondering if you could share a little bit about what you do and how it helps. For sure. Yeah. I think honestly, you know, I heard that and I know that part of it is just that uh, what you're seeing there is that charity is someone who's very good at recognizing people's uh, um, uh, strengths and abilities. You know, I think she sees people on her team with great clarity. So um, it was a, a nice compliment for sure, but I absolutely saw it as as much about her as about me. Um, which I suppose is actually a good segue into thinking about uh, receiving feedback because um, I, you know, it's definitely, it was something that was not always easy for me. I remember um, one, as a young person, I think a lot of us don't get very much feedback, honestly, especially, you know, I went through the public school system. There were always large classrooms. You know, I just never interacted one-on-one with people who really cared about my performance and whatever I was doing very much. Um, And so I found it really uncomfortable at first. and I think there's kind of a few different pieces that came together that that made me not just um, learn to accept it gracefully, but really love that experience of of you know just hearing people reflect on you know, you know what you could do better. And I really see it as one of the the most generous things people can do for you. Um, is it useful to just sort of uh, break apart the different aspects of of, of it? Um, sure. Uh, one thing that I'm thinking about is that. I find it incredibly reassuring to hear that this is something that you can learn uh, because I'm also terrible at, or not also, I am terrible at receiving feedback. And I've gotten to a point where um, I can sometimes take it if I'm prepared, uh, but maybe we should start a little bit earlier. If, if you're just starting out and you want to improve yourself at accepting feedback, what, how, how do you start? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, you know, for me, part of it was a, a, a mindset change. Like I, I grew up uh, really with that kind of fixed mindset. You know, I, I think as a kid, I would be surrounded by people who said, you're talented at X, you know, you don't have talent in Y, so you should focus more on X. Um, and I really, I think, uh, I, I remember thinking of, of ability as something that mostly you either had or you didn't, right? Um, you're either good at math or you're not. Exactly. Or you're good at sports. You're not, you're, you know, th- these kids are in gifted education. These kids will never be in gifted education. And, um, you know, I've been really lucky to work at Honeycomb and a few other places like that, that really had a growth mindset around thinking about, you know, how do we develop skills? How do we get better at, at things? Um, and so being able to make that switch, honestly, for other people first, like being able to say for people on my team, I need to believe in a growth mindset so that I can help them develop, um, help me make the switch for myself. And then once once I 
made that kind of mental leap, it was so much easier to not take it personally, like to not hear constructive feedback as um, a reflection, uh, a negative reflection on me. It, it just meant that, oh, here's something that I can spend more time working on and get better at. So it became a new challenge instead of, um, you know, an indictment of my character as a person, if that makes sense. Yeah, I had never thought about it that way. So what you're saying is that moving from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset allows you to be in a space where you can start thinking, I can improve, and that allows me to accept feedback. So I think, yeah, just sort of making that mental leap to the growth mindset um, made feedback so much less scary because, I, you know, it was just, it was a fun challenge. And I think, you know, like a lot of people in, in software I, I love to always be learning new things and always taking on new challenges. And so it sort of just became like learning a new uh, programming style or something like that. It was just sort of, okay, here's one more um, thing that I can try to work on and kind of measure my skills at and see if I got better at. How about, how about when you're in that awkward partway phase and you know what you want to do, but you're not able to implement it? Do you have any advice for people like me who are in that space? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, honestly, th this is going to sound a little strange because it's something very outside of tech or outside of management. But uh, there was a book that I really liked that, that really, um, I think, made that process feel a little smoother to me. Um, have you heard of a book called the, the Four Agreements? It's ringing a bell and I don't know why. There are people who are interested in management who talk about it a fair amount, but it really comes more from almost like spirituality, like this is someone who wrote down what he saw as like Toltec wisdom that came from his uh, ancestry. And, um, but he sort of had these, these four principles for, for a life well lived. Um, and I, you know, it doesn't resonate with me on a religious level, but I kind of saw the, the sense behind what he was saying and, and tried to incorporate those things into my life. Um, and I'll just say them really quickly and, and, and not get too deep into them, but they are always do your best. Uh, don't make assumptions, be impeccable in your word. So just speak truth and, and don't speak uh, against people, you know, unnecessarily. Um, and then, oh gosh, I'm going to forget the fourth one. <laughs> I can look it up. But um, uh, thinking about not making assumptions and always doing your best, those two things, I realized so often um, I would read more negativity into those things than was really there, or I would read more personal criticism than was there. And it was something that um, came from me and, and me feeling bad about where I was at or, you know, wanting to be better. Uh, and I, I realized that I was causing myself unnecessary pain by, by taking things kind of more personally. Oh, the fourth one is nothing is personal. Yes. <laughs> nothing is oh, personal. People... Yes. Um, share things with you based on where they're at and what they see. And it, it, so often it's more about them than about anything to do with you. Um, and so uh, sort of being able to like think about the, the, the feedback interaction that I'd had with someone as, as much about them as about me and about um, something that all I needed to do to be successful with it was try the best to incorporate it into my life. And then I didn't have to um, be really hard on myself for feeling like, um, there was something wrong with me or like I didn't do enough with the feedback. Um, I know it, it sounds really strange, but just sort of taking all four of those things into my life suddenly made some of the, the sort of painful parts of feedback less painful, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah, it does because you're not taking it personally and you're assuming the best out of the other person. So 
it's harder to say, oh, they think I'm an idiot because you're thinking about they're doing their best to help me and give me feedback. Yeah. And even honestly, if it comes through that you, you feel like this person does think I'm an idiot, you realize, oh, that says more about they're in the negative place. Something is difficult for them. They probably, you know, it says more about the situation that they're in than some sort of reflection upon my worth as a person. And I found that really helpful. Yeah. Are, are there things that help you get into that mindset or, or break free uh, of, I guess, the fixed mindset that you're in? Um, gosh, you know, I, I said this a little bit earlier, but I think that honestly, for me, having my own team and working with people on my team um, was something that really transformed the way I, I thought about that. Like, uh, you know, as a manager, I really want to support people on my team in constantly improving and, and in having an easier path through their software career than, than I felt like I did when I was you know, earlier in my career. Um, and realizing that um, I could want that for them. Uh, helped me say, oh, well, you know, why don't I think that I can have that for myself, you know? Um, so just sort of every moment that I can see myself being generous with helping someone else level up, I can say, why don't I just extend that to myself too? Like, why don't I just try that and see if I get positive benefits out of it the way that I know someone on my team would. It's kind of funny because it's taking your management skills and then applying them back to managing yourself, <laughs> which <laughs> it took me a while to realize I could do that, but it's been useful. Yeah. It, it's kind of a, it, it makes it not a do what I say, but do what I do kind of a thing. Exactly. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm kind of curious, am I the first person to ask you about how to accept feedback or have you had this question before? Do, do you help any of your reports or, or teammates with accepting feedback? Gosh, you know, I think a lot of people don't ask about it because they feel like it should be easy and they they don't think of it as a skill you know what i mean i think um i like that you approach it as this is uh, like a learnable skill that we can kind of think about how to develop and i think uh a lot of people find it painful and assume that it's necessarily painful or think that it should feel easy and don't think that um it's something that they should work on so you are the first person to actually ask me about it explicitly <laughs> that's pretty cool do you ever try to help people around you accept feedback more or do you focus more on how you can give feedback better? Definitely both. Um, I, you know, uh, it's really important to me to have a diverse engineering organization and that means people from, um, you know, all different genders, different uh, racial and ethnic backgrounds, different educational backgrounds. Uh, and, and part of that has been seeing all these different ways that people respond to feedback and, and accept feedback. Um, so I have certainly been working on tuning my individual style to the, the way that resonates the, the most um, with each person. Like, you know, I think some people um, really need to kind of have their confidence built up before they can onboard a negative thing. Like some people are just in a space all the time of feeling like they're working on everything. So you really need to say, these things are going great before you can help them see the one thing that would be the biggest, you know, uh, biggest way that they could, you know, have a higher impact. Um, I do also, I think the biggest thing that I do in terms of encouraging people to accept feedback well is um, uh, reminding them that it's not personal and that um, feedback is someone recognizing potential in them, right? You don't give feedback to people whose work you don't care about or people who you think are a lost cause. So um, 
I think I do a fair amount of kind of putting the context around feedback to try and make it more useful to people. Implementation detail question. When do you tell people uh, what that feedback is, is about people caring about them and wanting them to improve? Do you give that to them before, after, during feedback, completely separately from giving feedback? Oh, gosh. Um, in the past, I feel like I've done it because I have seen that a piece of feedback seemed like it was particularly difficult to onboard or I saw someone really struggling with how to fit it into the larger picture of their work. Um, I think if I were, you know, a perfect manager, I would know ahead of time that they needed that preamble and, and uh, put it into the front. But it's, so far, it's mostly been a course correction. So it's uh, you give feedback, they look like they're struggling, accepting it, and then you reframe the, the feedback for them. Exactly. Because, and that, that works? Um, I think that it sounds, it sounds almost too easy. <laughs> uh, you know, I think it, it, it was uh, better than not doing that, for sure. I think, you know, like, like you were saying, I think it, it is a, it's a process for people to figure out how to, um, like, figure out the right ways to incorporate feedback into their lives. So um, I think you, you can help people do a slightly better job, but um, like any skill, it's something you're kind of constantly improving on. Yeah. What about um, building feedback into your work culture, right? Like we've talked a little bit about how we can accept feedback better. And we've talked about how we can uh, help those around us accept feedback better. Are there things that can, can help an engineering team build more feedback culture around how to accept feedback? Right, like, and I'm asking, I'm really focusing on this accepting feedback side because there's been so much good material out there on how to get feedback, how to give feedback. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think that uh, there's some tools that have, you know, become popular in, in, at least in the kind of San Francisco engineering bubble that I'm in that I think are really useful. Um, one is the kind of culture around uh, blameless postmortems that has come from people in the kind of more operations space. Um, and then the kind of culture of agile retrospectives that has come out of, you know, places like uh, Pivotal or like agile XP shops. Um, I think both of those processes um, are really interested in looking at how something like how a project went or how an incident went in a way that is all about um, what can we learn from this. And even though that's not focused on uh, personal one-to-one -one feedback, I think um, just sort of modeling, uh, taking an experience like that apart and sort of looking at the different pieces and using it as a way to think about improvement um, is something that I, I see kind of directly translate to people's interactions with each other, right? Um, you can't really talk about how a project went without talking about individuals' work on that project, right? And um, I feel like, you know, as soon as we come out of a retrospective, there is sort of a, a period of time where that same way of talking about and thinking about work flows into um, the way you talk about how everything is going. So um, that's been a really good tool. Um, I think that uh, I come from a design background, so I'm used to the sort of um, juried review or critique uh, system that designers use to talk about their work. And that's also been really useful. Um, I think that the spirit of that is not as much about improvement, but how can we have an interesting conversation about this artifact that's in front of us? So again, it's a way of talking about a particular person's work um, in a way that's detached from judgment. So um, 
you have to learn to want to jump into that and and as the receiver of the feedback say how can i also participate in this interesting conversation about my work rather than be defensive about um you know maybe someone doesn't like something and i'm going to respond poorly to that like you really have to let go of ownership to have that interesting conversation in some ways so yeah I, those are yeah, all kind you of related your ego for sure yeah um I want to go back to what you said earlier about blameless retrospectives and it, it made a ton of sense as you were talking about how if you have a blameless retrospective, part of that has to be feedback to the individuals because how else do you improve? And then I started feeling a little bit confused because how do you keep it blameless and at the same time be able to give that feedback to individuals in a way that they can accept and not say, oh, I, I broke production, I, I caused this. Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, the balance is really tricky. I think the thing I really like about uh, the kind of blameless postmortem or blameless retrospective way of thinking is um, that it decouples understanding the chain of events and the impact of different things in the chain of events from uh, passing judgment on a particular thing. Um, I think that they often take a systems approach too and say, okay, this person did this not because they were a bad person, but because X, Y, and Z cues in our, our environment or our system made it seem like the right idea. Um, so uh, I think that the more you can kind of emphasize all of the factors that, that are around that, the less it feels personal. And I think um, as the recipient, recipient of that, um, part of it is I think, you do need to be a little generous with yourself and say, um, I don't need to be the hero who, despite all these things pointing me in the wrong direction, still did the right thing. Um, it kind of uh, intersects nicely with the emphasis on getting rid of hero culture that I've kind of seen lately in, in the DevOps movement, which I really like, um, which, uh, you know, really encourages you to say, um, I don't need to have unrealistic expectations that just I as one person am going to um, be better than everyone else and fix everything, even though everything's broken. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess the corollary to that is when production goes down, if you weren't that one person who fixed everything, obviously you're the one person who caused everything to fail. And, yeah, and that's, that's the flip side of hero culture. Exactly. Totally. Yeah. There's definitely like, it's very double-edged. I think some people have a really positive experience with it before they see the negative and then it's harder to give up, but it, it really does have, uh, it cuts both ways for sure. Are there, um, are, are there things that you can do when you're in that team environment or uh, in that blameless retrospective where someone is using the sharp side toward yourself? part of the hero culture blade? Oh gosh. Um, I think it's one of those things that uh, the more you can have folks at the top model, both not blaming others and not blaming themselves and, and, and um, using it as a learning opportunity, the better it is. I think it's really hard if you are, you know, uh, kind of lower in the management chain and you want to bring blameless culture to things and the rest of the organization is looking for, um, you know, uh, someone to place blame on. Um, I think, yeah, just, just seeing it modeled by the people at the top has, has always been the thing that I've seen be the most helpful. Yeah. Do you think it would be valuable to 
to start off blameless retros talking about fixed versus growth and, and kind of setting that expectation? Ooh, that's a great question. Yeah, I have seen people have a lot of success with um, just sort of reminding people of what the principles of a, a retrospective are ahead of time. Um, Lily Shaleen, who um, I know we, we both know through kind of Ruby universe and, and volunteering things, uh, has this wonderful one page PDF handout that she shares with people that just sort of has like the bullet points of what um, a retrospective is and, and she'll share it even with people who've done retrospectives before because I think just having that uh, cue to remind yourself this is the mindset you're supposed to be in this is what we're supposed to get out of this is really really helpful yeah and it kind of goes in, into the idea of anytime you start a meeting you should make sure everyone in the room knows why they are in that room yeah I like that I like that yeah it's not just like that you know the agenda but that you know that the mindset you're supposed to be in in the moment I think this is all the time we have for, uh, for digging into feedback for today. Um, do you have any closing words of advice to, to our listeners? Um, gosh, I think the, the number one uh, closing word of advice I would have for people is just um, if you can believe in it for other people, if you can be generous with other people about something, you can also turn that around and extend it to yourself too. Because I see so many managers who are so good at sharing feedback with their team, helping people accept it gracefully. And then all of a sudden when it's them, they suddenly, you know, they go back to believing all those things about it's personal, there's something wrong with me. Um, and, uh, you know, look at the interactions you have with other people and ask yourself if you're, you're giving yourself that same space. Oh, I have totally done that. That is really <laughs> great advice. Thank you. Um, if people want to uh, read what you're saying, talk with you, uh, hear more about things like this, uh, any pointers to places they should look? Uh, the best place is probably just to find me on Twitter. Um, I am at EA Nakashima on Twitter, and I'm always happy to talk about uh, management, feedback, and whatever else on there. Cool. All right. Well, thanks, Emily. This was fun. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Storytime with Managers by Cohere. Our theme music is by Kevin McLeod, and we are edited by Bryant from Zinc. If you liked this episode and want to hear more, tell us on Twitter. We are at WeCohere.